Hey, welcome. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Lacrosse Talk, PM and WYZM News Talk, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM. Thanks for being here this afternoon and this evening. And uh, this hour brought to you by Habitat for Humanity. 608-785-7914 is a better hearing center talk and text line. 608-785-7914. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You could send me an email, Mitch at 1410WYZM.com. But the better hearing center walk work. Better Hearing Center talk and text line works really well. Call in or text in. Either way, you're part of the program. <laughs> uh, coming up later this hour, we'll talk with Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. And just around the corner, Troy Gunderson, District Administrator for the West Salem School District. We'll talk about, um, I think this was going to be the, our last uh, uh, school district uh, referendum uh, discussion that we have prior to the election coming up. So we'll do that here very, very shortly. Uh, get ready for that. Um, and we're... Uh, oh, look, no, he's almost done. I was going to say, uh, Rick had uh, 17 pounds of food that he was getting through um, uh, from Famous Dave's uh, here in La Crosse, um, delivered courtesy of Bite Squad. It's like a brand new business that's in La Crosse that has just launched or it's just launching, grand opening weekend is to, starts tomorrow, and they deliver food to you from restaurants like Famous Dave's, who are super big friends of ours here at WYZM, but a lot of other restaurants too, so check them out. I mean, I got here, there was Famous Dave's just sitting out in our... Um, like our con- convening commons area, like our commons area. It was, it's mm-hmm. kind of like our commons area. Just famous days food everywhere. And I was eating a lot of it. I had like ribs of an animal. Don't know what kind. I had some other kind of thing. And then I had some coleslaw. And I ate all of it. And I was really happy about it. So, I got that done. At any rate, uh, Bite Squad, that could be your delivery service from now on. 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air once again, the Better Hearing Center talk at text line. Troy Gunderson will join us here shortly. Uh, we have a, uh, a well, West Salem School District has, has a, uh, a referendum coming up on November 6th, as many other school districts do. I, gosh, I want to say there's $1.4 billion in referendums around the state of Wisconsin. $1.4 billion of referendums around the state of Wisconsin on November 6th. And you know what? That's not even the biggest number ever. And I, you know what? I think the... Um, what is it? Kenosha? No, Waukesha. No, what? Wauwatosa. Wauwatosa has the. I believe they have the biggest one at one hundred twenty-five million dollars. You know, we get these referendums where you go to the polls and it's like twenty-four million dollars, thirteen million dollars for an elementary school, that kind of thing. And Wauwatosa, they just gonna they're just gonna. I I don't know what they're. Doing. I don't even know what theirs is, but it's one hundred twenty-four million dollars. Will you be willing to spend one hundred twenty-four million dollars? Yeah, sure. Why not? We could do that. No problem. Uh, Not nearly as big of a commitment for the West Salem School District. In fact, we'll talk with uh, uh, 
the uh, district administrator for the super for the uh, West Salem School District on the phone with us right now, Troy Gunderson. I appreciate you being on. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I we we have, and I I don't know how that feels to be part of one point four billion dollars worth of uh, school referendums around the state of Wisconsin on November six. It's just a it's just what we've been doing basically for the last um, twenty six years, essentially, right? <clears throat> Yeah, well, right. There's two two issues to that. Some are they get mixed together when someone makes a total like that. Some of them are people building buildings. Yeah. Every school district has is in a different spot when it comes to their facilities. And then the others, and the reason there's an uptick is because of the funding formula. In 1993, when the revenue limit was put in place, one of the safety valves in that system where they, they attempted to regulate it, um, school revenue generating was that if all else failed, you could go to referenda and of course nobody did that at the start and then because they built in annual increases and as recent changes in philosophy have uh, resulted in that um, item being frozen and then the long-term impact of people's enrollment changes has forced more and more school districts to resort to that and we are entering an age where school district funding uh, a part of that is going to include regular request to the community to support it. Funding through referendum is what it's called. Other places in the country do that more often. It's just not something we've, uh, we're have we accustomed to at this level in our state. Yeah, again, an operating referendum for the school district of West Salem, it's uh, $7.6 million in change over a four-year period that would begin um, in the uh, in 2020. Yes, uh, and it is again. It's it for operating funds. Uh, when was the last time you had an operating? Uh, this is the first time we've done it. Wait, this is the very first one mm-hmm. for an operating. Oh wow, okay, huh? Um, wow. We were fortunate in that um, the way the formula works. It um, if your enrollment climbs at a steady pace, yeah, and sort of matches your property values, your taxes and your revenue sort of stay in step, and West Salem had always been um, fairly conservative in the way that they had budgeted and planned, so we're able to fit in there. It's the last seven years, which we've been, the revenue limit has been capped by changes in Madison, and then our enrollment has sort of been fluctuating instead of continually going up. Mm-hmm. And so now we find ourselves finally behind that eight ball after, you know, trimming and trimming and trimming and sort of boxing ourselves in. Because it's the last thing our school board wanted to do, that's for sure. Uh, Troy, it, when you say uh, conservative, do you mean like 52 degrees thermostats in the wintertime and things no, like that? No, it's, uh, it's just this part of the state we spend less per kid, and we've been fortunate here in West Salem because our school buildings are all located in the middle. If you look at um, the 26 school districts in the CESA area around the La Crosse area, West Salem spends the least per student. Hmm. It's a long-term piece. We've had a lower pay scale for the people who work here. It's real efficient to have all the kids located in the middle of the district at one, on one campus site. Right. There's all kinds of efficiencies that we're blessed with. We're just fortunate. And um, just through a lot of decisions over the years, um, our employees, um, back when they were organized, um, chose benefits over wages. And then when the, when the things came from Madison to change that arrangement, Savings were made in benefits, which left us at the bottom in wages. And so mm-hmm. over the course of time, for lots of reasons, that's where we ended up. West Salem Superintendent Troy Gunderson on the phone with us uh, this afternoon. Um, we're talking about the West Salem School District referendum. There's, uh, it's one of 
several dozen that are on ballots around the state of Wisconsin on November 6th. And uh, Troy's right. There's, some of them are building referendums. Some are operating referendums, like for West Salem. I'm I'm curious, um, is, is any of this related to any recent building referendums? For the school district of West Salem? Yeah. Uh, uh, a small portion of it, but not really. If we okay. weren't, if our budget had been the way it had been, we could have moved and accommodated. Um, we expanded our middle school and have added additional um, athletic and activity spaces outside. So the additional costs we've occur, incurred are an additional custodian and and some utility costs at this other thing. So you know we're we're asking our community to look at around one point. $9 million a year on average over four years, and those expenses amount to maybe $100,000 a year. So that's not a tipping point for us in terms of the cost of the facility changes. All right. I, um, let's see. I, I think if I remember correctly, and I, I, I went through some of this information before we uh, um, went on the air this afternoon again, but uh, the the increase... Uh, on taxes, if uh, people vote yes, I I I, I want to say it's it's eighty dollars per year for a hundred thousand dollar home. Is that about? Is am I right about yes, that? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes, it is. Okay. Right. Uh, we have uh, our tax rate's been a little bit in a, in a little bit of limbo for the past three years, and it's hard to say it like that. But when we passed the referendums to borrow the money, you know, a portion of your tax bill and and ours is about a quarter of it is designated towards the buildings and three quarters of it goes to operate and so that building portion has been sort of in flux as we've borrowed money and paid off debt and now moving forward we're locked in and so if people vote yes this time it's going to go up about 80 cents but it's fair to say and must be said that if you go down if they vote no it'll go down about 70 cents okay all right uh, do you feel like, in, as you were saying, this is the first operational referendum that the West Salem School District has held, obviously, since revenue caps went in place back in 1993. People, by the way, have forgotten all about that. They don't even remember that one oh, no, 25 years ago. Uh, but is, are, are, is, it difficult, is it more difficult for you now because you've never done that? I mean, we've got, you know, there's school districts of uh, Onalaska and La Crosse and Holman, um, uh, you know, many others around the area have had operational referendums that are, they're, they're basically renewing them every five years. Is it more difficult because you're doing it for the first time? Yes. If you ask the the folks in those other towns, they'll all tell you that the first time they did it was more difficult. Yeah. And so it is more difficult to get that information out the first time. How it is different today for us is that the people in our community, like other places, are aware of what's going on. So when I'm out, people will say, well, we wondered how long it would take if if the Bangor and Alaska and Melman and GET and Tolman, Sparta and Holman and La Crosse are all over. Why haven't you been asking us? And so you, you get a little bit of a sense of expecting you to show up and ask this pretty soon. So the amount of media coverage that the people on our east, west, north, and south have received have educated our people as to why this is necessary. So it's been a little easier for us that way, Hmm. but we still have a hurdle to climb for a number of people all of a sudden. For us, it's been the more of the difficulty is, wait a minute, we just passed three referenda to fix your buildings, and then not understanding how that debt is different from operating. Why didn't you... Why don't you do it all at once kind of thing? Yeah, I hear that. It probably wouldn't pass all at once, but that's, that's beside the point. I'm wondering if if that is, when you said that, what I'm hearing you say is that that 
people are kind of getting used to this whole idea that every few years there's going to your school district is going to come to you and ask you to add additional money because the state isn't because the state formula doesn't allow you to spend a certain amount. Yes, I think that's well, you're seeing that across the state, mm. for better or worse. Without taking a side on how we got to that spot, we're in that spot, and what we see is local communities willing to say, accept the fact that that's a form of local control, meaning this is how much we're going to give you, and if you want to be at that level, you're going to have to decide that yourself. And so what once was a rarity is now a very common occurrence. The, the dangerous piece of that for school districts is the economies tend to fluctuate, and when the economy goes the other direction, it's harder to pass, and then you run the risk of once you've been over, if it fails then, like a place like Onalaska, they're – $3 million over on a $30 million budget, if it fails, they got to find a way to cut $3 million. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that would be a tall task, I would think. Uh, right. and, and, you know. And for Bangor, just, it's just at a smaller scale. You know, they're a million over on a $7 million budget. <laughs> There's fails. Look out. You know? Yeah. Uh, Troy Gunderson, superintendent, West Salem School District, talking about the West Salem uh, School uh, District uh, referendum that's uh, coming up on November 6th, the very first operational. I just found this out, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Troy Gunderson. This is the very first operational operating expense. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the operational re- operating budget referendum that the, that the West Salem School District has held. I'm wondering, as you probably are aware, uh, the village of West Salem, up until a few years ago, was the last municipality in the state of Wisconsin not to carry any debt. And you were just talking about how you think you have seen that the school board has been very conservative about spending as well. Is there something in the water in West Salem? Um, I, I don't. I don't know that. I, I think, just generally speaking, there has been a conservative um, bent in the ter- in the way in which we fund government here in this community, which is a healthy thing. I think we're all in agreement that we all ought to be wise in how we spend the taxpayers' dollars. But when understanding what the services are that they want, I found that people have been more than willing to to support that. I think, in terms of our school, we've been real fortunate in two things that are long-term historical pieces is we've been able to buy land from La Crosse County because our school district sits on the old county farm, which means that's how we ended up with a campus. Yeah. And we have updated the facilities about every 15 years. So historically it went 64, 81, 94, 01, and 07, and, and 2017, which means we've managed our debt, and so we're not seeing these spikes and, and declines in tax generation and then the resulting impact on state aid because we're staying consistent that's really been allowed us to manage a much more consistent approach to that and Nick, so, i got you I, again going we've to- been fortunate i said it's a combination of a conservative mentality but you've also been fortunate in the way the whole thing lays out here just from a geography standpoint and a historical look uh, and I want to go back to the 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 the, the most previous uh, building referendum uh, when you talk about how difficult and it's that is that's last year, right? Yeah, twenty sixteen yeah. we passed those, and so okay, twenty sixteen. Okay, back so to the last ago. question: If a person drives around this campus uh, compared to most campuses and areas in the state of Wisconsin, our school campus is just remarkably um, beautiful. It's just a stunning place to have you know pools and 
football fields and beautiful schools all located in the same spot. So when you tell somebody you spend less than everybody else and they look at this, they, they look at you like you're crazy. And it's because we've done a little bit at a time over years. I think I talked to a, you know folks in town and say, you know, our campus is probably worth 150 to $175 million, and we got $25 million worth of debt. That's pretty good. So, um, all right, so that's... I'm wondering how, uh, you know, and you mentioned this, that this is a little bit one of those things you have to explain to people is that this is, we're going back to a referendum, even though we, you know, secured uh, some money for building uh, projects in 2016. But is that the biggest hurdle you have to get over in terms of, uh, I won't say say convincing, but just, but having people understand this whole notion of an operating referendum. Yes, you alluded to that earlier in that it is, you know, the, the, one is if the people understand the building thing, then are, have a question of why you're back again. Right. And then when you dig into it, it really is hard for them to understand how, you know, the, if they haven't paid attention, how the finance thing works and why why you'd all of a sudden have to ask for money. We've yeah. never asked before, and here here you are saying you need another one point six million dollars. Well, how's that work? But once you Show them the history and show them how we're taxing and how everybody else is doing it and what we're spending. They tend to understand, and and again, a number of them are aware of what's going around, going on around us, and it it causes a pretty good level of awareness. Okay. Last thing, and uh, uh, Superintendent Troy Gunderson from West Salem School District. I'm just wondering. We talked about the school funding formula. It's it's hopelessly complicated and remains so. Um, Guys like you understand it. The rest of us don't. Uh, what would what do you think would be what would be the wisest way to make it so that it's not only equitable but uh, maybe a little more simple? Well, it's a great question. That's part of our uh, the state's Blue Ribbon Commission on School Finance, and I've been part of those kinds of things. I think the 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 general form of equalization aid balances taxes across the state, and it does a pretty good job of making sure that if a child lives in a place where they don't have a lot of property, they don't have a terrible school system because they can't afford it or they tax people out of their home, it stays pretty level. But what the state needs to do is layer onto that ability to pay, the level of poverty, the type of services you're attempting and required to provide. It has to get a little bit more nuanced because what we're seeing is that one-size-fits-all doesn't serve people in Pewaukee as well as it does Chatech or Northland Pines or um, Melrose Mindoro. I sure. mean, if you think about the different, the vastly different financial packages that make up our school districts and how to balance that. Just a couple of examples. You think of DeSoto, the people who live there full-time year-round, year they tend to have um, more children who live in poverty, but a lot of really expensive property. And it's a disparaging way of property taxes on those folks then compared to a place like um, Holman, where they have hardly any property mm-hmm. for every kid. And so they're getting a lot of state aid. It's just a different way of needing to look at the services we provide because our state needs to ensure that all of our kids are getting an education. We've done a great job for the last 100 years. But like everything else in our society, it's changing right before our eyes, and we need to think about ways to be more efficient and, disper- and to disperse the money differently so that P- 
people continue to get the services for their kids in a in a more understandable fashion. All right, that's part of the governor's race debate. Those people are talking about that. <laughs> they are quite a bit, actually. Yes. Yeah, they, they just are. both have different ideas on how to do that. That's yeah. a fair statement. To... Yeah, I well, and and obviously Governor Walker is. Uh, has um, echoed what um, our uh, state superintendent Tony Evers has said, uh, wanting to, the state to get to that level of two thirds funding um, for for schools. Uh, I don't that won't probably won't affect how? what you do, but it would affect uh, impact certainly um, how where the funding comes from, I guess, if and how it gets spent, how, how it spent. gets sent out, and then what kinds of ways in which we're setting ourselves up to use it. I think. The world's changing, and it's going to change fast in the next 15 years in our business. What's going to happen in rural Wisconsin needs to be different than what happens in Milwaukee. And the state has to meet the needs of both those places. All right. Well said. Uh, Troy Gunderson, I appreciate being on. Thanks so much. More information available on the West Salem School District website. Uh, feel free to check that out if you're a, a voter in that uh, school district. Uh, Troy, thanks a lot for being on. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us, and you have a great day. You as well. Troy Gunderson, Superintendent of West Salem School District, right back, right for this. La Crosse Talk PM and WIZ, I'm Mitch Reynolds, 608-785-7914, West Salem Superintendent uh, Troy Gunderson joining us for a little while to talk about their upcoming school district. We did the school district roundup in the last two weeks, and you know, we do have a service that we try to provide for the people in our area. Hopefully we're doing it well. Uh, right around the corner, Wisconsin Senator Rod Johnson will join us. We'll talk with him about um, hmm, uh, the Brewers, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. There are some other things that we could chat about. We'll figure it out in between now and then. 608-785-7914. More to come. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Lacrosse Talk PM on WYZM News Talk, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM this hour, brought to you by Habitat for Humanity. If you'd like to... Join us on the air. Feel free to use the Better Hearing Center talk and text line at 608-785-7914. Text us your questions right now for U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, who's on the phone with us. Senator Johnson, I appreciate you being on. Thanks so much. Well, Mitch, how are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. I really am. I, I'm um, I'm curious. One of the things that I was thinking about during the uh, Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process was um, how much you were glad not to be on the Judiciary Committee. Was that a thing that crossed your mind? Like, God, I'm glad I'm not on that committee. Uh, every now and again. Um, <laughs> but you know, let's face it, I, I still study the issue pretty uh, diligently, yeah. and I watch the hearings, and in the end, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is the justice on the Supreme Court. Is, was, that, um, was that the most, over the last couple of years, is that like the, the the thing that's that stood out as one of the most bizarre episodes in you know in 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 Congress in the last two years? Yeah, I mean we, we've never experienced any any kind of uh, oh you know just just the protests and harassment of members. Uh, you know, I, I emailed Susan Collins yesterday when I found out that somebody tried to send her a package that might that claimed to have rice and gas. Yeah, uh, you know, I, listen, I don't I don't agree with Susan Collins on a host of issues. But I know she really studies issues. She's very knowledgeable. She has a lot of integrity. And she just laid out in about a 45-minute speech really how thoughtful her process was in in coming to determine that she wanted to uh, confirm Judge Kavanaugh and to have people threatening her life, uh, threatening to rape her staff members and stuff. It's just it's appalling. And I do hope uh, that the voters in in America, I hope the voters in Wisconsin, remember the the Act 10 protests, the vandalism in the Capitol. Uh, That's not conservative Republican behavior, that's the behavior of the left. 
and, and hopefully people realize the Republicans have done a pretty darn good job governing uh, once we had the majorities in, in both House and the Senate. That we don't have a whole lot of drama in terms of appropriation bills. We're passing five-year authorizations on FAA and highway bills. Um, the economy is just roaring because we stopped punishing success. We stopped adding the regulatory burden. We have more competitive tax system. So things pretty go- going pretty well. 3.7% unemployment rate nationally, 2.9% in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, again, I hope voters are paying attention to the results. What are you going to do about the federal budget deficit? Well, I, I certainly wish I would get more colleagues that were very serious about it. But, you know, Mitch, the problem with this is on, on both sides of the aisle, uh, people always want to get reelected. That's certainly never been my motivation. And what helps get reelected is you keep promising people benefits, and you certainly don't ever talk about uh, what you need to do to reform some of these programs that are simply unsustainable. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'll keep talking about it. I've, I've talked about it nonstop. You know, obviously there are a host of other issues I'm dealing with, particularly as Chairman of Homeland Security. But uh, I do believe that our debt and deficit, just like Admiral Mike Mullen said, is probably the greatest threat to our national security. And it's just unfortunate on a bipartisan basis it's being widely ignored. We don't do a very good job in government of, of reacting to anything unless it's in a crisis mode. Um, and we, we didn't, well, it was pretty unpleasant when the housing bubble burst. I, I think it's going to be far, far, less un, far less pleasant or far more unpleasant when the debt bubble bursts. Well, we, we, we're looking at the biggest federal deficits and federal budget deficits in six years. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And you yourself said that the economy is just steaming along. I mean, full steam ahead. It is, and everybody can see it. Um, in light of that, because the, the federal tax cuts were supposed to help spark this very thing so that we could grow ourselves out of these deficits, that's not happening. In hindsight, is it possible those federal tax cuts may have been a little aggressive? No, because okay. the, listen, it wasn't exactly the tax package I would have passed, but the fact of the matter is the number one component of a solution here is economic growth, and we are growing the economy. A uh, huge difference. Last two years, the Obama administration, uh, business investment only increased at an average of 0.6% per quarter. In the first six quarters of this administration, business investment has increased at 7.3%. That is laying a foundation for future economic growth. Uh, so I, I truly do believe that the tax cut will pay for itself. I, I probably wouldn't have got, gone so low on the corporate rate. I would have been, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time making sure that the 95% of pass-through businesses uh, weren't put at a huge disadvantage to C-Corps. But I really do think that uh, that tax cut will pay for itself. Our deficits are caused by, by spending. Uh, over $30 trillion, close to $40 trillion over the next 30 years, deficit in Medicare, $18 trillion in Social Security, over $60 trillion interest on the debt. So if you don't want to spend or pay your creditors more than $60 trillion interest on the debt, you do need to address the deficits in primarily health care spending, which is primarily Medicare right now, Medicaid and, and Obamacare, and then uh, Social Security, too. We need, we need to make these programs solvent. But again, it's politically poisoned to almost talk about reforms. George Bush tried to do it, and he got slaughtered politically. It's very unfortunate. That's the state of our politics. Well, and again, uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson on the phone with us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Medicare, you're not going to hear a whole lot of conversation about Medicare right now. Uh, in you know, We're less than three weeks out from the next election. Not a ton of people are talking about Medicare reforms at this point. Um, it, when you say, yeah, we should, well, but, but Mitch, you know, what we should be talking about is how do you bring down health care costs? You know, so much of Obamacare is just about insurance. And, of course, on the individual market, premiums have skyrocketed, double, triple, quadruple the, the, the cost. Because we're not concentrating on bringing free market discipline into health care. 
Uh, we separate the consumer of the product from the payment of the product, so people really don't have a clue what you know what healthcare uh, products and services are getting, what they cost, and so they're, they're not wise consumers. So you've got to do that through, from my standpoint, high deductible plans. Uh, you've got to reconnect the consumer of the product with the payment of the product. You need to focus on that that basic root cause of the problem, and we just don't. We we just talk about the faulty architecture of Obamacare. Um, it just is not solving the problem. Putting more and more government control over the, the situation is just going to make it worse. So you're uh, you're not a big fan of the uh, whole the, the Medicare for all type of uh, com- the uh, proposals that we've been hearing. No, not at all. Okay, that, that at a minimum at a minimum would cost thirty two trillion dollars, and that's if you drop reimbursement rates to all providers to Medicare Medicaid levels, which is going to drive providers out of you know they're just not going to provide. You have fewer doctors, fewer healthcare providers. A, a more realistic cost would be $38 trillion. And this comes from the Urban Institute and other very reputable uh, researchers that have studied this, saying that you'd have to double personal income taxes and business taxes, and that still wouldn't pay for it. And it wouldn't solve the problem. Again, you'd put, again, it'd be supposedly free health care, and you'd have no control over it. Uh, if you want to see what a, you know, a single-payer, government-run bureaucratic health care system looks like, go no further than the VA system. I, I really don't think... Most Americans would like the VA system. Hmm. Well, well, Medicare is is another example, isn't it? And and there's controls there. How is that? Well, what what happens with Medicare is providers cost shift into the private market, which is why private insurance skyrocketed. Right. For every dollar that you pay into Medicare for your Medicare when you reach sixty five, you're going to get currently about three dollars in benefits. So you put in a buck, you get three dollars, and that that ratio just Deepens it worsens as as the baby boom generation matures, and so again that that's why you have a, something like a thirty eight trillion dollar projected deficit in Medicare alone over the next thirty years. Again, it's clearly unsustainable, but the way you address it is address the the, the root cause of the problem where we separated consumers of product from mm-hmm. payment of the product in healthcare, and we've driven out the free market dif- disciplines. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, I want to shift gears for just a minute. This is something that's near and dear to your heart, or at least what you concentrate on a lot as is in your position as chair of the, uh, what is it, the, it's a Homeland Security, what is it called? What's, it, what's the committee again? It's Homeland Security Governmental Affairs. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for helping me out with that. Uh, as sure. you know, there's a there's a, a basically a caravan of immigrants come, approaching the, the Mexican border, uh, Mexican-U.S. border. Um, there's kind of a, you know, a showdown kind of going on there with the governments of Mexico and the Trump administration. Uh, what He's threatened to shut down the, the, the border, although I'm not sure exactly how you do that, but threatened to shut down the border. What, what In your perspective, what do we do as, as a nation in, in relation to this, uh, this latest uh, group of immigrants trying to get into America? Well, we need to end the incentives we've created for illegal immigration. We, we we have laws in the books that incentivize families, for example, to come over because once they get in, uh, we really can't detain them for more than 20 days. We really can't even determine parentage in that t- period of time. So we're at a full-blown catch-and-release program right now. The same thing with unaccompanied children. Uh, so we've got to end those incentives that people exploit. This is the second caravan. You know, Michael Chertoff faced a, a uh, huge amount of a surge of immigrants coming illegally through Brazil or from Brazil. Mm-hmm. And what he did is he, he apprehended them, he sent them back to Brazil, and 33,000 one year got you know, dropped to like 1,700 the next by just having that sanction where you actually had a consequence for people coming to this country illegally. We turned to their home country very quickly. That ended the incentive 
and it also ended the this flood, the surge of illegal immigration. But we haven't ended those incentives. You know, the Flores decision reinterpretation has been a real problem. It's uh, what President Trump tried to address with the zero tolerance that, you know, I think a justifiable outcry as families are separated. But you can't enforce a law without separating families. So what we need to do is we need to surge more uh, administrative law judges, more immigration judges. We need to have more detention facilities. And we need to fix that Flores decision so that ICE can detain the families together in a very humane, in, in decent detention centers, adjudicate their claims, people that have valid asylum claims get let in the country. Those that don't get sent back to their home countries. That's all part we of need the, to create that, that, that sanction. That's all part of, that, of, of your bill, right? Yeah, we're trying to do that with the Families Act. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, you know, President Trump had a very reasonable immigration proposal. He was going to fix the Dreamers. More, more than one million Dreamers are going to be taken care of. And all he asked for was, give me the, the, you know, the funds to secure our border and the diversity lottery, 70,000. Know, we have, already have a million people granted permanent residency. It's a very diverse group. We don't need 70,000 extras. And then with the million, let's make sure more of those, a higher percentage, are based on merit uh, that are coming here to work as opposed to just to reunite with, with a family member. We should have a rational legal immigration system. Right now, we don't. We have a horribly broken legal immigration system. Hmm. And again, people are exploiting it, and it's overwhelming our system. It's overwhelming our system. Um, when you say secure the border, I, I mean, that seems not likely. Uh, if you're talking about building a wall, or well, I don't know exactly what does that... Now, well, again, for first you end the incentives for illegal immigration, because that's part of the problem right now. We, we don't have as big a problem with Mexican illegal immigrants because the Mexican economy is doing quite well. The middle class is growing. Like well, wait, wait, hold on. I, right, I understand that. But isn't part of the incentive is that it's crappy there and it's way better here? We can't end that. How do we end that? Sure. But again, like Michael Chernoff did with Brazilians, you apprehend them and rather than process them, let them into the country and they never go home. That creates a huge incentive for more people to come. You should mm. again. I, I've got the charts and graphs. It's taken off since DACA and the Flores settlement in terms of U.S. unaccompanied children and family units coming in here because we incentivize it. They exploit it. So we need to fix those laws that right now illegal immigrants are exploiting. That's the first thing you do. Better barriers work in certain areas. Certainly, technology. We need probably more people both between the borders and other ports of entry. We need, we need more resources to secure our border, hmm. but, but Mitch, we need to do it not just to solve the illegal immigration problem, but public health and safety, our, our, the huge flow of heroin through our southern border. We should secure our border. It's never going to be 100% secure, but we can do a whole lot better job than we're currently doing. All right, and I, I'll let you go, but I want to ask you about, we've been puzzling over this. I want to get understand what you think of why there is uh, so much focus on uh, the Washington Post uh, journalist, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, Khashoggi. What What is going on there? What do you think is happening? And what do you think of the Trump administration response? Well, because, because we have news reports of just a horrific and graphic planned murder, it appears. And we do need to get the, the full information. We need to recognize Saudi Arabia is an incredibly important ally in that region as a counterbalance to Iran. And so we all hate to see this, but, uh, you know, if this all pans out and, and what appears happened is borne out to be true through the investigation, that will change our relationship with Saudi Arabia. I can't predict in what way. Um, we do need to make sure that uh, we, we maintain a good counterbalance to Iran's malign behavior in, in the Middle East as well, though. Yeah, there's a balance there. And I'm wondering when you say this will change our relationship, I mean, Saudi Arabia has been an ally for a key ally for decades. 
this you're suggesting this one murder, if it is in fact that, if it is a hit uh, ordered by the the crown prince, the, as we, we've been hearing, if that is in fact the case, this one thing will change that decades long, very important relationship. Yeah, I, I, I hear the question in your voice, and I, and I understand it, but this is such, this is so brazen, this is so outside of acceptable norms. And let's face it, the Saudis do a lot of things that are outside of American sensible norms. Agreed. Uh, acceptable norms, but th- this in particular, this this is really unbelievably uh, brazen. If, again, if this all bears out to be true, I mean, this ranks right up there with the Russian assassinations. This is actually in their own territorial, you know, compound. I mean, this is this is Saudi territory when you're inside the embassy, and uh, something this horrific occurred there. This this is Russia at least does it on other people's foreign soil. So no, this is this is something. Uh, I, I know it's it's one person, but it's just horrific. It's uh, just real deviation from. Acceptable norms. Understood. Senator Johnson, I appreciate being on. Thanks so much, sir. Have a great day. You as well. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson uh, be, uh, stopping in for a little while. Um, your thoughts on that? 608-785-7914, also on Facebook and Twitter. And you can send me an email, Mitch at 1410 I'm trying to digest the, uh, the health care thing and the border security part. And uh, uh, we'll get back to that here very shortly. But uh, quick break, right back, right here on Wisdom. Lacrosse Talk PM on WYZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon and this evening. 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Center talk and text line. 785-7914. Uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson on a little while ago saying he's super happy that uh, Brett Kavanaugh has been confirmed. Did I call him? Yeah. Anyway, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, happy he's being confirmed to the court. Uh, meanwhile, former President Jimmy Carter, who is, surprisingly, still alive, said that he believes that Brett Kavanaugh is unfit to serve on the highest court in the land. I Honestly, I did not... I'd forgotten that he was still around. No, Jimmy Carter. Um, Jimmy Carter was speaking to a class at Emory University in Atlanta, called Kavanaugh's confirmation to the Supreme Court a very serious mistake. Says, I thought whether or not he attempted to rape uh, Christine Blasey Ford, whether or not I thought he was temperamentally unfit to serve on the Supreme Court because of his outburst during the hearing. I thought, sorry, missed a comment on there. I thought he was temperamentally unfit to serve on the Supreme Court because of his outburst during the hearing. Jimmy Carter, 192 years old, or something like that. Isn't he, like, building... Houses. houses he's by, always yeah, up by himself he's yeah. like he's got like he gets up on a ladder he's 90 90 years old 89 he's probably got one of them leather tool belts with a like hammer a, in it he's a world war ii veteran yeah i don't doubt it yeah dude man he has got to be like how old is he 92 i don't know anyway uh senator ron johnson on also we're talking about health care the this circular conversation that we constantly get into about health care and fixes for health care and you know the uh, and I I as said suggested hey I bet you're not into this uh, Medicare for all thing then because he was talking about how Medicare needs to be reformed, um, and um, said no but you know it, we you know they there's the divide of these these two camps where we need to get more we need to get more private um, um, private business involved in the market, you know, have the market set prices and, and get people involved in the purchase of their health care and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and you know, how much it's going to cost if it was a Medicare for all. The, 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 the truth is this, that without any, without a constraint on costs and slash profits and or profits, um, Medicare for all might cost 32,000, 32 trillion dollars over the next 10 years. Healthcare is also just just regular health care 
Medicare or not, is it going to cost that much? Uh, at some point, we got to get past the, it doesn't work because it hasn't worked. See, the, all of that is just a logical fallacy. It, it hasn't worked because we can't conceive of it working. That's not, that's not good reasoning. Not that I'm suggesting that's what we move to, but you, you have to get outside of this. It's, it, we can't have Medicare for all because it's not going to work because I can't, I can't believe it's going to work. There's got to be some other process there. It doesn't, Medicare is, is struggling, is, a, is problematic now in a, for a lot of reasons, just as the private, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act has got some flaws and private insurance has some flaws. Uh, smart people have to do better. At, at coming up with solutions, I would think. All right, Lacrosse Talk PM and WYZM. More to come. Stick around. Lacrosse Talk PM and WYZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon and this evening. And uh, this, uh, uh, if you'd like to join us here on the air, use the Better Hearing Center talk and text line 608 785 We're also on Facebook and Twitter. And you could send me an email, Mitch at 1410WYZM.com. We're in a steady stream of people. Usually our building it gets a little quiet this time of day, but there's been uh, some employers, the employees lingering around. We've had this. Um, we we tried out Bite Squad. Bite Squad, uh, this uh, brand new company in Lacrosse, um, has delivered some food from uh, Famous Dave's today. So they, I, it's this is it's crazy. I didn't know this kind of thing existed, but they, I guess this is a, this is a, this is a booming business. So the Bite Squad grand opening starts tomorrow. Grand opening over the weekend. Um, and, uh, what they do is they go and they get, um, they sign up restaurants and you can have food delivered from those restaurants. They, I mean, restaurants that typically don't have food delivery. It's pretty cool. So when I got here this afternoon, there was like this whole spread from famous Dave's out in our little commons area here, which I ate part of really good. Super happy it was here. What a cool service. Good thinking. Smart. That's really smart. All right, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you'd like to join us here on the air, uh, Lacrosse Talk PM. We talked to uh, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson last hour. We also talked to West Salem Superintendent Troy Gunderson about that uh, district's uh, upcoming uh, f- uh, operating referendum. Uh, I was not aware that this was the first operating referendum they've had there. So you know, there's the building referendums, which are uh, the capital expenditure, and then there's the operating refer- referendum, which is just like your day to day expenses. How you pay people their paychecks, essentially. And that's what this is. And uh, so, anyway, that's going to be on the ballot November 6th. So that is, uh, we had that conversation earlier in the hour, and both of those will be available via our podcast coming up later this evening. Again, 608-785-7914. We talked to Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson about a number of different issues, including Medicare and healthcare in general. Uh, The caravan approaching the Mexican border, um, caravan of um, those wanting to come to the United States, and um, we also talked about this uh, interesting this this ongoing saga of Jamal Khashoggi, who is that um, I, I think for, I think I'm finally saying the name right. I could be wrong. He's that um, the guy who we suspect was murdered by the Saudi Arabian government in their consulate in Turkey, perhaps. So he's Senator Johnson is. Full on believing this is a, this is a game changer in some way in the relationship with Saudi Arabia and uh, the United States. I don't believe that personally, just because there's there's so much at stake in that relationship. I just don't think it's. I don't think. I don't think so. But could be uh, coming up. If you haven't caught this yet today, and this was this goes back to last year, right about this time is a little bit uh, closer to Halloween, but 
Uh, right about this time last year, uh, a couple of runaway girls, uh, 15, 16, I think they were, wound up in a garage on the south side of Lacrosse and were brutally gang raped over several days um, by a gang of like a dozen males of various ages. Most of them have never been arrested or never been identified. One of the guys who was identified early on was sentenced today, and you may have heard the story already, sentenced to two years of probation. Two years of probation. Uh, I have the message from Judge Gloria Doyle that I'll share with you coming up here. It is it is remarkable. It really is. Lacrosse Talk PM and WIZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds. More to come. Stick around. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Lacrosse Talk PM. More of your calls coming up after this word about Bion Service Center on Jackson Street in Lacrosse. I was sharing the story earlier uh, this week that uh, it, this didn't have anything to do with my car, but with my motorcycle. I needed a tire put on my motorcycle, so I went to the motorcycle place to put a tire on the wheel of my motorcycle. I just actually took the wheel there itself rather than the entire motorcycle. Anyway, so I got the wheel put on. I, I brought it home. The valve was leaking. I had to take it back, and then I just picked it up today, and thankfully it was okay and ready to go. And the guy said, you know, hey, sorry, I had to make a special trip. And I'm thinking to myself, that never would have happened if this would have been my car and it would have been by on service center. I, you know, it's just true. It's just the case is that, that one of the great things about Bions is that you expect that when you go there and get a repair, whether it be, whether it be a, a fixing a tire or a set of tires or batteries or suspension or any number of other repairs or services they offer there at Bions, when you get it done, you're going to get it done right. You're not going to have to come back. You're not going to have to make a second trip there to make sure that or to fix something that didn't get fixed right the first time. That is what makes them exceptional. It is such a great feeling to know that when you're done there, you turn the key you drive away, and you're good. That's why they're my mechanic for life, and that's why I tell people all the time, the only place in lacrosse I'll take my cars for repairs, service, and maintenance at the Bion Service Center. Just go there and tell them Mitch Reynolds sent you. All right, 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Center. Talk and text line if you'd like to join us here on the air. Very simple to do, 785-7914. I was asking Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson about... Um, uh, well, we we're talking about health care. You know, he was saying that what we, you know, because I asked him about the federal budget deficit. Uh, he said, he, because he was talking about how everything's going well, right? And you know what? No doubt. This is the eighth month in a row. The eighth month in a row. Uh, that would be not this month, but September. September was the eighth month in a row where the state of Wisconsin had an unemployment rate below 3, 3%. Eight months in a row. That is, um, well, that continues a record, essentially. It is a record upon a record. Uh, the rest of the nation, everything, every you know, the economic indicators are all very, very solid. Uh, the Fed is uh, cranking up interest rates because they're concerned about about you know some issues with inflation and things like that. Um, and, and you know what? I don't. I have some mixed feelings about how the Fed operates, for sure. Um, but um, but for the most part, right. People are employed that want to be employed. Um, there's their wages are starting to increase a little bit faster. There's certainly it's it's difficult. I mean, they have to increase because people can't find people to work for them. Um, a lot of good things are going on out there, no question. And he 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 mentioned that. Uh, however, you know, I asked him about the federal budget deficits because we're the projection from the Trump administration is I can't remember what the number is off the top of my head. I want to say seven eight hundred eighty nine billion dollars, but it's it's a ridiculous amount of money for a, 
a steamrolling economy. That's not what you want when things are going well. <laughs> that's, that's exactly the opposite of what you should be seeing. You should not be seeing record deficits when the economy is going, you know, gangbusters. So I asked him about that and he immediately turned to spending. Well, which is fine. And spending certainly is incredibly high in the United States on all sorts of things. There's incredible amounts of waste in the federal government. There's no question about that. And uh, Ron Johnson turned to uh, turned to Medicare. We talked about Medicare, the, you know, the, some of the Medicare for all plans that uh, have been bandied about this election season and either discounted by one side or, or, or trumpeted by the other side because it, it is the, the proverbial bandage on the wound of health care in America. Ron Johnson's comments on that. What, what happens with Medicare is providers cost shift into the private markets, which is why private insurance skyrocketed. Right. For every dollar that you pay into Medicare for your Medicare when you reach 65, you're going to get currently about $3 in benefits. So you put in a buck, you get $3. And that, that ratio just steepens. It worsens as, as the baby boom generation matures. And so, again, that, that's why you have a, something like a $38 trillion projected deficit in Medicare alone over the next 30 years. Again, it's clearly unsustainable, but the way you address it is address the, the, the root cause of the problem where we separated consumers of product from hmm. payment of the product in healthcare, and we've driven out free market dif- disciplines. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. All right. So anyway, Ron Johnson uh, joining us uh, for a little while. And, um, you know, his, his, again, his solution uh, tend to tilt towards free market solutions. His prescription, if you will, for uh, healthcare woes tends to turn towards free market solutions. And, and he's right. I mean, we separate the consumers uh, in, from the decision-making in the, in the healthcare spending. Um, just as a reminder, however, and again, I, I, I'm far from offering solutions myself because I don't know... You know, as as much as we've talked about healthcare over the years here, I frankly it's it's outside of my specialty, and I, it's I'm not an economist, and I can't predict for you what would happen if one does one thing or another. However, what I can say is that there is a reason why Optum Health is one of the largest corporations on the planet because there's big money to be made in being that layer between the consumer. And the provider. There's a reason Optum Health is. There's a reason why Blue Cross Blue Shield is such an enormous corporation. They're making money being the middleman between the consumer, that's you, and the provider, say, Gunderson. So maybe address that. Maybe address that. Maybe address costs. Maybe address expectations. That's another thing. Um, root causes of some of our health woes to begin with. You know, are, are we tend to, and I don't get on a soapbox here too much, but we do tend to treat our bodies as if they're garbage dumps. We pollute them on a regular and daily basis. We stuff our bodies too full of macaroni and cheese, which Rick just did, and any number of other things. Think of the gallons of soda that our kids drink, right? Are the gallons of soda and Gatorade, which is completely non-essential. By the way, get that in. I mean, that's part of the. That's part of the, It's got to be part of the conversation. It should be part of the conversation. So, but I, I don't. There's no. You know, and certainly, you're not going to. You know, we we the, as the the biggest change that we've seen in America is the Affordable Care Act in recent years, right? The biggest change that we've seen, and that is that has not gone well. <laughs> it's not gone well. It is. It's not been great. Uh, there have been some things that have been good. And I think a lot of people will agree with, you know, not everybody, not everybody will agree with this, but a lot of people will agree that with um, removing exclusions for pre-existing conditions is it not a bad thing for a ton of people. So 
Um, yeah, I don't, but I, I tend to, I have my doubts about the, the Medicare for all proponents. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how to get, and Rick and I were talking about this off the air, when getting from here to there in relation from our, our, the, the, you know, private, uh, uh, insurance market place situation that we have now for most of us, right? The growing number of Medicare patients that we are, we are, we're having because of the baby boom generation and how many, how many people that is, what percentage of the population that is, just how many recipients of Medicare that's going to be. And then if there was, if for some reason we woke up tomorrow and somebody did pass like a Medicare for all uh, kind of plan, then that's what we went to in the United States of America, like a single payer system or something like that. Whatever that turns into, transitioning from here to there. I mentioned Optum Health, right? I mentioned Blue Cross Blue Shield. Healthcare is a $3 trillion industry. A lot of those jobs just essentially disappear. I mean, they turn to other jobs as employees of the federal government or a contractor or something, but and you more or less are cost shifting. You're moving money from one thing to another, from one business to another somehow. It would be it would be nightmarish. All right, uh, 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air, 785-7914. Um, real briefly, before we uh, get to news and Scott's comment. Um, oh, it's not. I don't have it queued up. I thought I did. Oh, maybe I do. Yeah, it's right here. Glory, Judge Gloria Doyle in court today sentencing Ronald Crosby. I mentioned him before. He was, the, he was 18 last year when he was arrested for the uh, brutal gang rape of a couple of teenage girls in a south side garage. He got two years of probation. And uh, this is Gloria Doyle at that sentencing today. That was a bad situation for those young women. And it was a bad situation for you. What the heck? A bunch of guys in a garage with underage runaways? That is a situation you never want to be in again. Okay. That's a crazy situation. I, I know you're 18 and things happen and you kind of take life as it comes. But, you know, even when I was 18, I would have thought, time out. This is a dangerous situation. Many bad things can happen here to me and to these girls. I'm out. Okay? So, and what I hear today is at some point you did say I'm out. Okay? But still... Going forward, you just have to make sure you never put yourself in that situation again. And I recognize you can look at the national news, and there have been other people that put themselves in bad situations with eight, with 15-year-olds in the past, okay? And they might get to be on the Supreme Court, and you're facing jail time. But it's still a situation where you need to make sure that you personally do not put yourself in that type of bad situation again, because for anyone, it has consequences on their life. Gloria Doyle uh, with the Supreme Court reference for the win. 608-785-7914. There's more to come. Stick around. I'm Mitch Reynolds, Lacrosse Talk PM and WYZM. More of your calls and comments coming up after this word about Mr. Electric. You might have a lot of issues with electricity in your home and maybe never even really know what it is exactly that you've got going on. That's the, one of the reasons I call Mr. Electric to uh, come out to my house. And I'm glad. i certainly glad I did. The... Um, I got a free safety evaluation with the visit, and it's been absolutely invaluable for identifying things that uh, I need to deal with in my house in relation to the electrical systems. And it's stuff that I don't know anything about. 
uh, the number of grounding rods. Clueless, right? Uh, neutral wires and how they're connected to the inside the breaker box. Um, uh, you know, stuff that I didn't know was wrong. But now I know I have to take them seriously and I got to get them fixed. Now, sometimes there's just like little things that you need to have done in your house, like updating lighting or adding electrical outlets. Or we talked with uh, Mr. Electric about adding some switches in the basement and um, in a room uh, in our uh, second floor. And we have a whole itemized, in fact, I'm looking at it right now, the itemized list of things that um, that we'd asked for. And, and each, each thing is identified separately and priced uh, separately. And it's really handy. And they'll do that for you. And it's, in fact... Some days they can just do the work right there, the same day that they come out. But if you need that done or if you're looking at adding some uh, ceiling fans or, or, or you know, re- replacing a ceiling fan, don't do that yourself, by the way. That is such a pain in the butt. <laughs> Call Mr. Electric. Uh, you know, if the ceiling fans, not only in the summer but the wintertime, you want to move some good air around your house. Ceiling fan is a way to do it. It helps with cooling and with heating. But uh, Mr. Electric can help you with that and the outlets and lighting and dimmers and all kinds of stuff. Um, it, it's super easy. You'll really appreciate the experience just like I did. Uh, and I can certainly see that I'm going to, I'm going to be making a number of calls to Mr. Electric to go down the list. Cause I got a list and I'm going to, it's going to be one thing at a time. So I highly recommend that call them expert electrical service at Mr. Electric. Lacrosse Talk PM and WYZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds. The Better Hearing Center Talk text line is 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air, I got a number of messages I'm going to get to here. Um, in relation to the clip that we just played from Judge Gloria Doyle. Uh, but before that, we got some breaking news on the line right now. We call him um, the uh, OG um, of our newsroom, original gangsta Brad Williams, on the line with us uh, right now. Brad, yeah, that would break, be me. Breaking news, OG Brad Williams. Uh, breaking news from uh, Lacrosse City Hall this afternoon. What do you got? For actually, from the uh, Black River Beach building. That's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> This could be an OMG, uh, Steve Caroline uh, leading off the uh, monthly park board meeting in La Crosse by announcing that he will retire as the park and rec director as of December 28th, ending pretty much 47 years of public service, a lot of that in the military. And he said the staff knew that he was leaving. He had given the mayor his six-month notice actually back in January, and he has remained in the post since then because there are a few projects that he has wanted to work on, and uh, most specifically the uh, All Abilities Train Park. He says that's the most important uh, single job that he has worked on in 47 years. And he uh, says that the uh, search will begin for a successor on the park board. Uh, Steve has been uh, in charge of the park department for 11 years, and as soon as he made a few remarks and Made his announcement, walked out of the building, left the meeting. Huh. Left so, the meeting. <laughs> wow. He's made his exit for right now, but as we said once again, his uh, retirement will be official December 28th. All right. Any uh, any reason beyond just, whew, I'm about done? That's that's pretty much seems to be the reason is that right. he's had a very long career, yeah. and uh, he felt it was time, but he wanted to get some of the uh, pet projects in mind uh, for the city of La Crosse and the park department wanted to hang around. And he says he's still going to hang around, but uh, he'll work on them from outside the park department, apparently. Okay. Brad, you've had a pretty long career. Any announcement you'd like to make right now? Uh, I'm going back to the meeting. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you calling in. Steve Caroline, uh, La Crosse City uh, Park and Rec Director, calling it quits. He'll, his, uh, he'll be done on December 28th.
Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, all right. That changes. That will change the um, the character of the city park and rec department. Yeah. The personality. It'll change the personality of the city park and rec department. That's a Friday he's retiring. Right. I think like if you're going to retire, maybe do a Thursday just to get that long, super long weekend. No? Just go 27th there? Yeah. Or like the week before Christmas? Like have the whole week and the rest of your life No, because I think, that, I think that that last week is just, you know, that's a victory lap. Is there extra pension money in it for you? Maybe. Well, I mean, if you, if you finish clear out, out the, the year. Finish out the year, you're getting that. Because there's a Monday, the 31st. That's still. That's a holiday. Oh, it's a holiday. That's yeah, right. So that's pretty much. He was waiting for this calendar to r- r- end right on the holiday so he could maximize his days off. Absolutely. Let's go to number three. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead, Aaron. Well, you and I and Rick missed the parking's our job. Maybe we should take over the park and recreation department. Yeah. Yeah. We could handle that. There's, like you say, they got that machine down there that makes the money. That right. rolling machine. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I heard the judge give the sentence to the young man that got two years probation. Yeah. My grandma has chewed me out more for stealing cookies than what that judge did to that guy. Yeah. Yep. Nice, soft voice speaking to him. No, I don't know for. I mean, it's their job not to really yell at dudes, right? It's just. Well, I don't know. I think he should have been yelled at. Yeah. But what what would his maximum bid for that if they would have found him guilty? Well, and, and this is the deal: is that he pled down, and this was actually the recommendation came from the prosecutor. Um, they had they were having some issues with you know c- conflicting witness testimony, and they were unsure. I think that they were not. They were not feeling good about what they had, I think, going forward in this case. Well, I I think it's really a shame. I mean, uh, there's always two sides to every story, they say. Yeah. But, I mean, when there's that many guys against that many girls, I I think if they would have put the heat on him, he would have started singing like a canary to find out who the other guys were. Yeah, there's been a lot of work in that regard. I know they've done a lot. There's been a big effort in trying to get track down everybody that was there. Um, yeah. There's some, you know, it's been complicated by the drugs that were involved and yeah. uh, just the, again that whole not entirely certain who was there when. So yeah. I mean, he was identified early on, and then there was some uncertainty about when he was there and when he wasn't there. So I don't know. I mean, I get it. It's, it's difficult really, to charge really somebody. A, a, when you see what justice is coming yeah. to. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it is. I mean, uh, yeah. my two daughters are long married, sure. but I got a granddaughter and, and stuff like that, and maybe more coming along the way someday, yeah. great, great grandchildren. But it's really something when we're living in a world like this. Yeah, I, I don't know. Locked you up and throwing away the key, I'd have still been there. Yeah, that's my two cents. Worth. No, and, and I, I and I appreciate day. the call. It's it's uh, it's. I, I don't, having not sat through any of this, uh, you know, it's unfair of me to judge, judge the judge, I guess. I mean, the two or the sentence or any of that. I can't really, in all fairness, do that. Um, it's easy for me to feel outraged that a guy who, and this is why we have the justice system that we do so that we can work these things out so that someone isn't convicted just because we hear about, uh, because he is identified early on as somebody who is uh, likely involved by the police 
It doesn't mean that he is, I guess, in the eyes of the law. It doesn't mean that he is, um, you know, he can be uh, held responsible based on how our laws work. Uh, You know, we have to we have to identify. We have to make sure that those who we convict, we do so beyond beyond the reasonable doubt. Right? We have to do that. That's our justice system, and it's a re- there's a reason why it's it, it it's in place the way that it is. So we're not convict. Well, we do convict people who are innocent, but we want to limit that. We want to try to limit that as much as possible. It's just difficult because you because I've I've read all the details of what of what the testimony was right after this whole thing went down, and you know the the what police found in the garage and just. It was just awful. So if he wasn't involved, okay, I guess somebody was, somebody was. And I have, you know, Gloria Doyle, if you haven't, if you didn't hear it, and it, 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 it's, it's, this is one minute, I want to share this with you if you if you didn't catch this. Uh, this is Gloria Doyle, again, lacrosse circuit court judge Gloria Doyle, sentencing of Ronald Crosby. He was among those who were arrested early on for the gang rape of two runaway girls in that Southside garage. Uh, last um, last year, right about this time. Anyway, this is uh, Gloria Do- Doyle again during the sentencing today. That was a bad situation for those young women. And it was a bad situation for you. What the heck? A bunch of guys in a garage with underage runaways? That is a situation you never want to be in again. Okay. That's a crazy situation. I, I know you're 18 and things happen and you kind of take life as it comes. But, you know, even when I was 18, I would have thought, time out. This is a dangerous situation. Many bad things can happen here to me and to these girls. I'm out. Okay? So, and what I hear today is at some point you did say I'm out. Okay? But still... Going forward, you just have to make sure you never put yourself in that situation again. And I recognize you can look at the national news, and there have been other people that put themselves in bad situations with eight, with 15-year-olds in the past, okay? And they might get to be on the Supreme Court, and you're facing jail time. So that little dig aside, um, uh, I don't know. I have a different message. And if he really was, if he was in that garage and he understood I guess if that's the story that we're supposed to believe is that he left before anything bad went down, he had to have known that that, that something bad was going down. So it's getting two years of probation for that, for obstructing, um, basically lying to cops and uh, dealing heroin. That he t- that's part of it too, I guess. So the dealing heroin and the lying to cops and being somehow remotely involved in a gang rape gets you two years of probation these days. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, no, difficult for me to sit in on judgment on all of that, but just seems not, not appropriate. Doesn't seem like the punishment fit the crime. And I would have a much different message, by the way, for those young men who may find themselves in that situation, as Gloria Doyle was pointing out, may find themselves in that situation. Stop the damn situation. You want to know what your responsibility is? Stop the damn situation. That's your ethical moral obligation. You should be damn well ashamed of yourself that you didn't. That's what I'd say to him. You should never be able to look yourself in the mirror again. You should be ashamed every single day you walk on this planet. That's what I'd say to him. I wouldn't say you should never put yourself in that situation again. I would say you're damn lucky that you're not in jail, but you are going to have to live 
with the fact that you allowed this to happen, and you should be ashamed of yourself every single day of your life. That's what I say to him. Uh, let's see. This listener says, absolutely speechless regarding Judge Doyle's response to a gang rape. She needs to go. Interesting that Judge Doyle would believe the victim in the Kavanaugh case would give such a light sentence to a gang rape which the suspect pleads guilty. Uh, this one says, Lacrosse County is getting just what it deserves by voting in judges like Judge Gonzalez, Judge Doyle, and Judge Levine. This one says, Doyle is pathetic. We're listening to a very short part of this whole thing. I will tell you that police in general have told us that Gloria Doyle is the... Um, is is the uh, toughest judge of the bunch. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what we've heard. So I, and again, you and me, I, we, I, you know, I haven't been following this case very closely. We did, had all the information originally. I'm not sure how Ronald Crosby wound up not, uh, not having, not being implicated more than he was. I'm really surprised by that. Really, really I'm surprised. But what I read in the criminal complaint, I've just a little bit, I'm, I'm frankly shocked. So I don't know what happened in the intervening months and who got to who and who convinced somebody that they shouldn't be talking or who changed somebody's, you know, who changed what about whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but holy cow, just remarkable. Uh, back to the uh, Ron Johnson interview that we had. Again, Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, we'll, that'll be in our podcast. You'll have that. We'll have that up on our website later tonight. Shortly after the show ends, now, we talked about the federal budget deficits, and uh, Ron Johnson said, yeah, we just need to trim, uh, cut uh, spending. Because I asked him whether, in hindsight, it seems like the federal tax cuts were a little too aggressive, because clearly that's adding to the federal deficits. And he said, no, we just need to cut spending. And right, that's not likely going to happen, but we'll see. Listener says, remember last spring when Trump threatened to veto Ryan and McConnell porculus? I think it just means like pork. I don't know. Trump should have vetoed it. Ryan and McConnell, Schumer and Pelosi scratching each other's backs, thinking they're still going to get rid of Trump. Yeah, there was a ton, that that level of spending was extraordinary, and I would agree with that absolutely. I, uh, Senator Johnson was talking more about um, you know less about the stuff around the edges and more about the the um, core of the structural problem with um, uh, with the United States federal government spending going forward. The structural problems and what that will mean for us in the very near future and especially how it relates to the just a tremendous number of baby boomers who will be uh, retiring here. Lacrosse Talk PM and Wisdom. I'm Mitch Reynolds. All right. Thanks for riding along here this afternoon and this evening on Lacrosse Talk PM. Good to be here. Sorry that we um, couldn't get to uh, Jennifer Schilling this afternoon. Our uh, plans fell through for that interview. We'll make better plans in the future. I don't know. We'll do something. Thanks and my love to Anna. For Rick Solom, I'm Mitch Reynolds. We'll talk tomorrow right here on Wisdom.